1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Good evening, and welcome to Strange Air, I'm your host, Malcolm Smith, and I'll be here for the next four hours taking your calls as we explore the outer regions of reality. Let's talk about that word, explore. Did you know there was a time when explorer was considered an occupation? That's right, hundreds of years ago, exploring was an actual job description. There were men who would be sponsored by European royalty so they could sail to the edges of the known world, to places not found on any map. And you know their names. You learned them in school, Columbus, Magellan, Drake. Just like the brave crew of the Starship Enterprise, they boldly went where no man had gone before and they charted every corner of this blue marble we call home. Then one day, it all ended. The world became smaller, the maps were finished, and Explorer was no longer a viable entry on your resume. But you know what? I believe there are still pockets out there, shadowy places where reality has not been mapped. I'm talking about those undiscovered countries we sometimes see out of the corner of our eye. And with your help, I want to explore those mysteries, the ones that are everywhere and nowhere at the same time. So in the words of Mark Twain, throw off the bow lines, sail away from safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, Dream. Discover. This is Malcolm Smith, and you're on Strange Air.
1: (laughs) Hey, Malcolm! I can't believe you took my call. This is awesome.
2: What can I say? If you're happy, I'm happy.
1: And I like that dude who answers your phone. He's crazy funny.
2: Ah, that's my engineer, and he's one of the greatest mysteries I have ever encountered. You see, his name is Memphis Bob, but he's not from Memphis. He's from Nashville. And when I ask him about that, he just stares at me like he has a secret he will never reveal.
1: Oh, maybe he killed someone and he's hiding from the cops.
2: Uh, I don't think so. Memphis Bob is a man of peace and good intention. But hey, you know, let's talk about you. What's your name and where are you calling from?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Uh, my name's Mark and I live in Palmdale. <laughs>
2: For those of you who don't know, Palmdale is a high desert community just north of the city. They get a lot of UFO sightings up there. How about it, Mark? Have you ever seen strange lights in the sky?
1: (laughs) No. Malcolm can't say that I have. No. I don't believe in flying saucers or dumb stuff like that.
2: (laughs) Hmm. So what's on your mind?
1: Haunted cars.
2: I see. Tell me more.
1: Okay. Well... You always hear stories about houses being haunted, and there are all those haunted dolls that belong to, like, messed up kids, and so I'm thinking, like, anything could be haunted, right?
2: Have you encountered a haunted car?
1: Oh, man, oh, I sure did. This was back in high school, and I had an old Ford Taurus that would just...
3: Mark from Palmdale went on to explain that his haunted car would possess the soul of every teenage girl who entered it. Girls who seemed to like Mark at first, but then suddenly their warm personalities would turn icy cold when they parked at Inspiration Point. As a child, I found this story terrifying. As an adult, I'm sure those girls had a certain level of standards about their romantic encounters in parked vehicles. The intriguing part is that Malcolm Smith never laughed at Mark. He never laughed at any of his callers. They all received the same level of courtesy and respect. I imagine that's why they kept calling. To better understand what made him so effective as the host of Strange Air, I turned to the USC Clinical Sciences Department of
4: Psychology. I am Dr. Sia Patel practicing psychologist and professor of psychology here at USC. Did you have a chance to listen
3: to the episode of Strange Air?
4: Yes, most of it. And I would like to repeat, this is not a true clinical analysis of Malcolm Smith's personality because I have never met or spoken to the man. Of course. That said, I have come to a few general conclusions. Malcolm Smith is very skilled at establishing rapport with his callers he meets them at their level. He uses their names often, which creates a bond. And his primary goal with each caller is to understand his or her point of view. Considering the outlandish nature of the topics discussed, some of his callers may have been reluctant to share their stories if it weren't for the fact that Malcolm Smith was such an empathetic listener. I would say he had the perfect personality traits to be successful at this particular job. Is there anything else? I must admit that I found his show quite entertaining and the calls about UFO sightings were intriguing. It's such an American phenomenon. You never see this sort of thing in my country. Thank you, Dr. Patel.
3: Malcolm Smith's ability to inspire trust in others wasn't limited to his radio show. To illustrate my point, I'm going to play a brief recording of a phone conversation I had with my father when I was nine years old.
2: Hello?
5: Daddy, it's
3: me, your daughter. Which one? (laughs) You only have one.
2: Oh, right. I forgot. Hi, Chase. Hi, Daddy. It's after 11. Shouldn't you be in bed? I am. Okay, let's try that again. Shouldn't you be in bed sleeping?
5: I was listening to you on the radio.
2: I see. Does Mom know? Chase?
3: No, Daddy. She doesn't know. It has to be our secret, okay?
2: Okay, sweetie. It's our secret. But listen, I don't have much time. What's going on?
3: The last man on the phone scared me. Which one? The man from Burbank was talking about a monster in his closet. Daddy, I think there might be one in my closet.
2: What? A monster? Yes. Oh, no. Well, you must be so scared. I am. Well, the one thing I know for sure is that monsters are afraid of light. That's why they hide in dark places. Do you have your flashlight handy?
3: Yes. I keep it with me under the blanket. Terrific.
2: Terrific. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of bed, and I want you to walk over to the closet.
3: Daddy, no! I could never do that.
2: Chase, you have to. It's the only way we can know for sure. If the monster's in there, the light will scare it away. And if it's not there, you have nothing to worry about.
3: But I'm scared.
2: I know. I know. I'm scared, too. But the truth is behind that door. Don't you want to know the truth?
5: Yes, Daddy. I'm going.
1: It's empty! There's no monster!
2: That's great, sweetie! You did it! I'm so very proud of you. Yay! Yay! Okay, now Daddy has to go back to his show, and you have to turn off the radio and go to sleep. Deal? Deal. And Chase? Never, ever forget that I am always here for you.
5: I know, Daddy. I promise I'll always be here for you, too.
3: My father was a good man. I was listening to the show on the night he disappeared. The caller was talking about his encounter with Bigfoot when suddenly... There was silence. Nothing. Just dead air.
5: All I know is everyone seems to think Bigfoot is some kind of monster.
2: But I don't believe that's true. This creature saved my life. So tell me something, Luke. What did Bigfoot look like? It's my understanding that he...
3: The silence seemed to go on forever. At first, I thought the batteries in my radio had died, but then the station started to play music. I remember the song. It was Someone Like You by Adele. I was 11 years old. When the show finally came back, it was a pre-produced Best Of episode. The station aired those when my father was out sick or on vacation. My next memory of that night was hearing the phone ring, which struck me as odd because it was after midnight. (sighs) If I could travel back in time, I would tell my young self to stay in bed. That way I would have missed seeing the look on my mother's face. It was a look of anguish and fear, a look I had never seen before. When she noticed her daughter standing by the door, She grabbed that little girl like a drowning woman grabs a life preserver. It was the last time I saw her cry. All I can remember about the next morning is that my father wasn't there to make me breakfast. You see, that's something he always did. It was a simple but reassuring act. And truth be told, my father made the best chocolate chip pancakes in the world. A few years after the incident, my mother took me out for breakfast at our local coffee shop and I ordered some chocolate chip pancakes. I took one bite and I threw up.
5: I like it. I like it. This is much better.
3: Yeah, it is. The trick was cutting in the recording I made as a kid. Dropping it in the middle like that breaks up the narration. It keeps the viewer engaged.
5: You're right. You're right. The scene really flows. You got a good eye for this stuff.
3: So do you. Seriously, dude. You should make your own documentary.
5: Nah, No way, I-, I like telling stories.
3: Hang on. This is a story. I'm telling a story.
5: Y- no, y- you know what I mean though. I-, I like creating the story and the characters from scratch with no limitations. I-, I bet you'd be great at it.
3: I don't have time for fiction. I only care about the truth.
5: Uh, so, what's next?
3: Bring up the footage of my mother and let's go to the shot of her in our backyard. The one where she introduces herself.
5: Roger that. Just give me one second. Hey, can I ask you something? Sure. Have you had chocolate chip pancakes since the last time you got sick? Nope.
3: My father can make me some when I find him.
5: When you find him?
3: That's right. What? Why are you staring at me?
5: Sorry. Uh, no reason. Uh, all right, here's the shot of your mother.
0: My name is Rose Abernathy. I was married to Malcolm Smith for almost 14 years. How did you meet? I was going to nursing school in San Diego. He was interning at 98.1. The two of us met at a Brian Adams concert that was being promoted by his station. The funny thing is... I didn't even want to be there. My girlfriends had tickets to the show and the after-party, and they insisted I come. It sounds like a fun night. Why didn't you want to go? Because I was overwhelmed. The pressure at school was starting to eat away at me. I was in such a mood, ready to cry at any moment. But no one noticed. I was very good at putting up a strong front. Anyway... Malcolm was there and we made eye contact a few times, but he wasn't my type by a country mile, so I didn't think twice about him. But wouldn't you know it, that skinny boy with the long hair kept catching my eye. He looked so worried, like he was genuinely concerned about something. The next thing I know, I'm getting a drink at the bar and when I turn around, there he is standing right in front of me. That's when Malcolm said the three words that changed my life. What were they? Are you okay? I don't understand. None of my friends could tell I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. But Malcolm could. Your father was the only person there who really saw me. All those insipid love songs I'd heard that night didn't seem so bad anymore. It was a Brian Adams concert, for God's sake. <laughs> we were married two years later. Were you happy? Malcolm and I got along like peaches and cream. And was he into the paranormal back then? Well, it's not like he would spend the night in the yard looking for alien spaceships. We never owned a Ouija board or anything like that. Malcolm was just very open to topics others questioned. He loved a mystery, but it was hard for him to find one that was worth solving. That's why he turned to such extreme subjects. What about you? Did you believe in the topics he talked about on Strange Air? (laughs) No. No, of course not. It was all nonsense. Entertaining, to be sure, but... But nonsense. Did Dad know you felt this way? Of course. <laughs> of course. Being in love doesn't mean you have to agree with everything your partner believes. It, it just means you have to respect the right to believe it. That's one of the many keys to a happy marriage. Tell me another. Well? He was very good at surprising me. Little gifts special dinners, trips up north. Then he went and surprised me one time too many. You're talking about the night he vanished.
3: Let's talk about that. No. Mom, you promised.
0: Why do you want to do this? Please. It's important. Fine. Fine. As far as I know... Your father took off with the clothes on his back. His car was still parked at the station. None of our bank accounts were touched. And I know he wasn't stashing money away in a secret fund because he was an idiot about finances. That was my job. Can you talk about the court hearing? The California Evidence Code granted me the right to declare your father dead after he was missing for five years. Doing so gave me the green light to cash in his life insurance policy, and that money is currently paying for your education. What else do you want to know about your precious father? Do you really believe he's dead? I have a ruling from the state of California that says he is. But what do you believe? I think you need to let this go. I understand Malcolm was your favorite, but it's been a decade, and you need to live your life. What do you mean he was my favorite? Come on, Chase. Malcolm was the fun one. I was the disciplinarian. That's why the two of you were always closer. Are you mad about that?
3: Are we done here? No, we're not done. I have one question left.
0: Go on. What do you think happened? I believe your father staged the whole thing. I don't know how. As for the why, Malcolm didn't include me in this particular decision, so I can't tell you. He just decided to go. Mom, I guarantee
3: Dad did not fake his disappearance so he could just take off.
0: How could you possibly know that?
3: Because it would have killed him to leave me.
5: This scene really gets me. How come? I don't know. She seems sad.
3: (laughs) You know who's sad, Danny? Me. That interview is the most she's ever said about my father's disappearance. I'm exhausted just from watching it.
5: I still feel bad for her. (sighs) Whatever. Do you think she's right? About what? Her, you know, theory.
3: Why would he fake his own disappearance? It doesn't make sense. It's not like my father emptied out his bank account and hit the road with a hot blonde that was way too young for him. He loved his job. He loved us. He wouldn't just leave.
5: I totally get that, but you were a kid. And
3: being a kid doesn't make me a fucking idiot. But fine. Let's say I had no idea what was really going on. Let's say my father was having an affair and he secretly hated his family and he just wanted out. Why not get a divorce? It's not that big of a deal. A lot of people do it.
5: Yeah, I guess that's true.
3: (laughs) Faking his own disappearance in the middle of a live broadcast sounds unnecessarily complicated. The only people who do that are the characters in bad movies who are on the run from the mob or have embezzled millions of dollars or something like that. It doesn't happen in real life. And let's just say, for the sake of argument, he did fake it. If that's the case, then the number one question becomes, how? How did he pull it off? How does an adult male just disappear without a trace while thousands of people are listening?
5: Hey, you know what? 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 My cousin might be able to answer that question. This is kind of his thing.
3: Making people disappear is his thing?
6: Is it your belief that the card you picked is beneath your left hand? Yes. To be clear, the card you chose from this deck is at this moment sitting right there under your left hand.
3: Definitely. Definitely.
6: And would you be so kind as to tell me what that card
3: was? (laughs) You want me to just say it? Please. It was the Queen of Hearts.
6: Was it now? Very well. Let's have a look.
3: (gasps) Oh my god! Wow!
6: What? That, my dear, is the King of Diamonds, not the Queen of Hearts. It's not even the right gender.
5: I admit it. I'm impressed. I told you he was good. Uh, excuse me, what's that on the floor? Oh, that's my camera bag.
6: Danny, this is the Magic Castle, an exclusive private club that's been here since 1963. It has a reputation that will live on long after we're gone, so would you mind treating this historic organization with the respect it deserves?
5: You want me to pick up the bag?
6: Exactly. Uh,
5: sure, yeah, sorry.
6: And, uh, would you mind handing it to Chase? Chase, can you please open that bag and tell me what's inside?
4: Okay.
3: <gasps> Shut up.
6: Is it your card? A queen for a princess.
3: <laughs> Dude, that is so cool.
6: I know. Uh, and now, if you like, I could make my cousin vanish so the two of us can share a drink in private.
3: Mm, is that something you're good at, making people vanish?
6: Aha! Uh-huh. Of course. I suppose you'd like to discuss the unfortunate fate of one Malcolm Smith.
3: Yes, please. Can we film here?
6: Most of the guests are upstairs enjoying their dinner, so this bar won't get busy till much later.
3: Perfect. Are you ready, Danny? Ready. Alright, let's get started. Can you please introduce yourself?
6: My name is Peter Vincent, and I am a resident illusionist here at the world-famous Magic Castle.
3: Have you had a chance to review the material I sent you?
6: Yes. I've listened to the audio file and I've inspected the pictures.
3: And what are your thoughts?
6: It would appear that Malcolm Smith walked into a radio station and never came out. The man disappeared from a small room that had one door and one window. And he did this while speaking on the radio to thousands of people. What occurred in that studio is beyond belief.
3: So you're saying what happened is impossible?
6: No, not at all. Of course it's possible. Really? It's the easiest thing in the world.
3: Alright, so how did he do it?
6: I believe Malcolm Smith had an accomplice. A partner. Someone who helped create this illusion.
3: But there was no one there except... Except... Well, his engineer was in the studio.
6: Interesting.
3: Hang on... Even if someone helped him, it doesn't explain how he physically disappeared.
6: May I ask you a question? Sure. Do you believe a human being can physically disappear in the blink of an eye?
3: No, of course not.
6: Then it never happened.
3: So what are you saying?
6: I'm saying, Malcolm Smith never left the room.
3: But he did.
6: Mm, That's what you were meant to believe, but there's no proof. No video. And the audience wasn't even there. They were listening, not watching. His disappearance is an assumption based on an illusion.
3: So what did happen?
6: I am of the opinion that Malcolm Smith, with the help of an accomplice, slipped into a hidden corner of the studio. Perhaps a space behind the wall or... Under the floor. More than likely, he had a disguise hidden there, which he then used to conceal his identity so he could just walk out of the building when the coast was clear. He probably waited there all night while the accomplice weaved his tail. And then... Malcolm Smith... disappeared.
3: I guess that makes sense.
6: Well, it makes more sense than some of the theories I found on Reddit. Time portals, spontaneous combustion, what foolishness. People will believe anything.
3: And he needed an accomplice to pull this off. Someone he could trust.
5: Someone
6: who would never reveal the truth.
3: Hi, it's me. I'm joined tonight by... A vicious hook from the Flying Dog Brewery. I'm not into fruity beers, but in the spirit of fairness, I'm giving this one a day in court. So, listen to this. Back in the 60s, a geologist at Columbia University discovered that the Earth pulsates every 26 seconds. We can't feel it or hear it, but the planet makes a tiny seismic rumble every 26 seconds. I just did the math, and that comes out to about... 3,000 times a day. Scientists believe the pulse might be caused by ocean waves or volcanic activity, but no one knows for sure. It's a complete mystery. There's a lot of strange shit on the road to Oz. (laughs) Anyway, it's time once again for my gratitude journal. (sighs) Tonight, I'm grateful for all the usual stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm also grateful that my mom agreed to the interview. She was so not into it. And I'm grateful for Danny's help. He may not be the perfect boyfriend, but his editing skills are right on. During my last session with Dr. Blair, she said I might be using Danny as a placeholder till the right man comes along to replace my father. (laughs) What the fuck is that about? First of all, what she said is creepy on so many levels. And second, well, I don't actually have a second. It's just creepy. Hmm. yeah, no, this beer is way too fruity. I might like it better during the summer, but ugh, not right now. So, tomorrow's the big day. I'm going to interview my dad's engineer, Memphis Bob, who apparently is from Nashville, not Memphis. Sounds like a complex character. I hope he doesn't outsmart me in a duel of wits. (laughs) The funny thing is, I have a vague memory of meeting this guy, but that was like a hundred years ago. I know he was my dad's best friend, so that has to count for something. And he was there. That makes him the only witness and possible accomplice to my father's disappearance.
0: Strange Air was created and written by Michael P. Greco and Tony Martinez. The role of Chase Smith was played by Natalie Lander, and the role of Malcolm Smith was played by Patrick Fabian. If you enjoyed Strange Air, please rate and review us. This will help keep our show on the charts where people can find it. And please visit strangeairpodcast.com for more information. Thanks for listening. We'll be
4: back next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
2: How much do you know
6: about cryonic preservation?
4: Cryonic preservation—the
6: preservation of human beings at extreme low temperature.
4: You mean like, like uh, Walt Disney? I
2: swear to God, if you say anything about Walt Disney's frozen head, I'm hanging up this phone right now. I swear.
6: Never heard of the Red Valley Sea Bowl until I just told you. I swear. You swear. Could you
0: take your hand off my knee? Look,
6: Warren. If they're sending the butter wouldn't melt new boy looking for Red Valley, it'll be for a reason. Trust me. People are losing their lives in this company.
4: We pulled him out too soon. He is awakening exactly as we planned. He's dying on me. We're all murderers
3: here. Brianne, you, me, that doorman probably. Guy on the corner there with a the neck
6: tattoo. I bet he's killed someone. Would you like to
4: cut his head
0: off? I'm sorry. The sword is funny. Gordon, why are you sharing this stuff with me? Why are you smiling? I don't know. I smile when things get awkward. Get in your golden bullet, pick me up.
6: You want to go to Red Valley? You
2: want to go to Red Valley? Red Valley? Red Valley? Red Valley? Red Valley? Red Valley? Red
0: Valley? Red Valley is available on all podcast providers. Do you want to continue?